Welcome to Awaken Church Online. In today's holiday message, Alan Schwartz discusses how the Christmas story is the flashpoint of the gospel. What I want—I wanted to start out this morning—is I love this season, and it's a selfish reason, really. Is my wife uh, has a has a mid-December birthday? We get to celebrate. And so as a father of two daughters that are grown and up and about, this is a perfect opportunity for me to kind of scheme to get my girls to come over. Because there's nothing more that I love than spending time with my girls. And if they want to bring their husbands and fiancés, I guess they can. But I love spending time with my girls. And so we were, and my favorite time is in that we, I always try to get them to stay the night so we can have coffee time in the morning. Because it's in that coffee time where we're, we're relaxed, it's quiet, we're sharing stories and things. And that's where I learn all the stuff that I didn't know was going on when I was a parent when they were living in my house. But one of the subjects that came up recently was Christmas. And I was asking my oldest, Sarah, you know, what, what are her memories of Christmas? And she had some great memories. And because she was the oldest, we had, um, we had some... Uh, we really spoiled early on during Christmas time, and she she remembers, and I'm looking to see how many kids are in the audience. She remembers when when Santa appeared outside uh, my my dad's place on the deck, and you know, and all these wonderful things. And then I asked Kate, my youngest, I said, "What about your Christmas memories?" She kind of clenched up her face, and her, and she said, "Dad," I'm like, "What?" When I was five years old, I came home and told you what some of the kids were saying about Santa. Uh, yeah? And you told me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, we're all mixed blessing on Christmas memories for my kids. But uh, uh, they are, uh, I understand a little bit how God feels about us because I just long to be with them. I long to be in relationship with them. I want the best for them. I would do anything for them. And you know, this season is a reminder of that very thing. The Father from the very beginning has longed for you to sit in his lap and have coffee. For you to be in relationship with him. For you to tell him, the good memories and the bad. That's the kind of father we serve. And now that we're in the holiday season, we get distracted sometimes with all that comes with Christmas now. All the commercial stuff, all the different things, getting ready, busyness, buying presents. But I think it's important for us to stop and really think about what this season is about and reflect on what took place. And so I want to I want to talk a little bit about what is Christian what does Christmas mean to you? What does Christmas mean to us as sons and daughters as Christians? What does it mean to all of mankind? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just recognize and celebrate the love that you have for your sons and daughters. We celebrate the great lengths and depths that you've gone to to be in relationship with us. 
We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Amen. I want to take a look at the Christmas story in a little different way this morning. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 1, 18. And I'm going to read uh, the story to us. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being her and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divert, divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, that story is amazing enough, but I wanted to know, wait a minute, who's the prophet? Who's the prophet that Matthew's uh, that's referring to here? And he's referring to Isaiah. So let's turn to Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. And I'm backing it up a little bit. How many people here were in our king's class? Come on, come on. All right. You guys should know this. Uh, I'm going to read here. The title in my Bible was this, or in this thing that I pulled off was the, the sign of Emmanuel. This is in uh, Isaiah's time, and there's real trouble in Judah, and I'll just leave it at that for right now. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Who's Ahaz? Carmen? John? King of Judah. Nice. Calvin wasn't even in the class. That's great. Uh, Ahaz is the king of Judah. <laughs> and it says, uh, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. This is the prophet Isaiah. Ask a sign of the, of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or hell, or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, here then, Isaiah did, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? He's being sarcastic. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Ahaz. Or call his name Emmanuel, not Ahaz, not Ahaz. That would not be good. Was Ahaz a good king? No, he was a terrible king. He turned away from God in so many ways. And yet God 
continued to pursue Ahaz and care for Judah. And simultaneously, he sets the stage for a prophecy to be realized 700 years later in the birth of Christ. And in this, God's heart is revealed. From before time, from before creation, you were on his mind. This event, 700 years before the birth of Christ, was one of many things that took place so that you would recognize he is the God. He is the one and only capital G God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The stories written in Scripture and throughout time are woven together to drive home this message. His heart is for, his heart is for relationship. It's, we can't even imagine the lengths and the creativity and the brilliance of what he's gone to that he had set in motion before creation. All of Scripture points to God for his children. I was, I, I was going to share more about Ahaz, but I think I'm going to skip that part. Well, you can go back and read it in... Uh, in uh, Second Chronicles, uh, and just see the patience and yet the beauty of what God does in that story. To me, the Christmas story is a flashpoint. It's a manifestation of the gospel or the good news. People call the gospel, in the simplest terms, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which is true. The Christmas story is the flashpoint of this gospel. Jesus needed to come, walk among us, carry all of our sin, be punished for us, die, and be resurrected and overcome sin for all of us. The Christmas story is good news. The Christmas story is the gospel. I found this uh, five-point thing on the gospel that I'm going to share a little bit with you in this next slide. And it's Number one, God created us for his glory. Isaiah 43, 6-7 says, Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by name whom I created for my glory. God made all of us in his image so we would reflect his character and his beauty so that we would be in relationship with him. Number two, therefore, every human should live for God's glory. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. The way to live for the glory of God is to love him in Matthew 22.37. Trust him in Romans 4.20. Be thankful to him in Psalms 50.23. Obey him in Matthew 5.16. 
and treasure him above all things, Philippians 3.8. When you do these things, we reflect God's glory. As we're learning in Romans class, there's always a nevertheless. Number three, nevertheless, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.22. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, paraphrasing, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, Romans 1.21 and 23. None of us have loved or trusted or thanked or obeyed or treasured God as we should. Therefore, number four, we all deserve eternal punishment. And I know you're thinking, geez, Alan, I thought this was going to be a happy Christmas story. I wanted to come here and sing some Christmas carols. It is. Hang in there with me. The wages of sin is eternal death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. Those who did not obey the Lord Jesus will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, 2 Thessalonians. These will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Are you among the righteous? Do you want to be among the righteous? Guess what? That baby in a manger set things in motion so you can be, so that you are, so that you can sit in his lap. You can drink coffee with him in the morning, dance with him in the afternoon, have him carry you through a tough time. Number six. Therefore, eternal life is a free gift to all. Oh, wait, excuse me, number five. Yet in his great mercy, God has sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to provide for, the sinner, to provide for sinners the way of eternal life. We all know this one. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whomever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, Galatians 3.13. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, 1 Peter 3.18. Therefore, the eternal life, number six, eternal life is a free gift to all who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior and the supreme treasure of their lives. Acts 16.31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10.9. By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, Ephesians 2.8.9. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live. In... You get it, Galatians 2.20. The Christmas story is the gospel. The Christmas story is good news. He is Emmanuel. Let me say that again. He is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Split into three parts. 
in the Hebrew, with us, God. So it means God with us. I like it. I like in, in digging into this, with us is God. I like that, the way it's put that way. God's very nature is revealed in his name. He wants to be with you. He isn't restricted by time. He is I am. He is the beginning and the end. He is who is and who is to come. Jesus' name in the Hebrew is Yeshua, which means salvation. This is his name, and his redemption plan existed way before he was born here on earth. When that baby arrived, when he walked among us, he took off all... Imagine this. Where's my worship? We've recently been doing some pretty intense worship. I see some of the folks over here. In worship, what do we enjoy about that? We're in his presence. We're still. We're calm. There's a peace. There's, there's, um, there is a peace that just goes beyond any understanding. Jesus stepped out of that peace. He took all that off. He came down to earth. And he walked as we walked. And he took on all of our sin, past, present, and future. He died a horrible death on the cross. But this was his purpose. Jesus' purpose was salvation of the world. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the author of it all stepped out of heaven, took the punishment, paid the price. So a way would be made for you and I to be made right in relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit. Did Jesus leave us? You say, oh, God is with us, Alan. But he rose again. Where is Jesus now? The right hand of the Father, right? Interceding for us. No, he didn't leave us. Before he left, he said, I must go, but he will come. The Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us as orphans. He left us the Holy Spirit. He left us the Holy Spirit as a coach, a guide, a comforter, a convictor. A voice speaking only what he hears Jesus speak. The only thing Jesus does is point back, or Holy Spirit does is point back to Jesus. Jesus' purpose was salvation, but his position is Emmanuel, God with us. Purpose. Plan or purpose, position. Now the, the last one of my P's is plan. The plan all along, folks, is to be in relationship with you and I. So that we will in turn reflect his glory for eternity. Just this week I got a call from a friend of mine. I, I grew up with him in Minnesota, and I, um, if I got into trouble once during the day, Tom got into trouble three times during the day. 
And if I got into a scrap in junior high, he got into five scraps in junior high. This is just the way Tom was. Tom, was, Tom would go wholeheartedly at everything that he did. Over the years, we've lost touch, and every once in a while, he'll call and check in with me. And I was on an airplane recently, and I could hear the, I, it's amazing, the phone will ring on an airplane. And I can't answer it, but I, later I was listening to the message. He said, Alan, this is Tom. I'm really struggling with something. Could you give me a call? I said, okay. I texted him back. I said, I'm, I'm on my way to Philadelphia. Uh, probably not going to be until Saturday. He said, yeah, no problem. So on Saturday, I set a thing on my calendar, and so I called Tom. I said, Tom, what's going on? He says, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. He says, you believe in God, right? I said, yeah, I do. He says, how could a loving, kind God that you always talk about allow for all these things that are going on in this world? And I was like, oh, boy. Uh, um, but I found myself sharing the gospel. I found myself sharing the story, the Christmas story. And I said, Tom, the reason that I can navigate this life through all, I have the same frustrations you have. I have the same things happening all around me, but the difference is, I have his peace. I have accepted him and he lives inside of me. And Jesus made that way and he'll make that way for you. Yeah, I know. I don't know. You know, if I were a younger man, this is Tom speaking, I'd probably do something crazy. I said, Tom, you don't want to do something crazy. He said, you know, Alan, I'm a warrior. You know that. I've always been a warrior. And I said, have you asked God if you could be a warrior for him? Oh, no, I, I, I've been seeking. You know I've been seeking. I know you've been seeking. But have you asked him? Stop seeking. Ask him. We talked a bunch more about a bunch of things that were really driving him crazy. And we brought to hang up. And he said, you know, Alan, I'm going to seek less and ask more. Most of us in this room asked. said, Lord, come into my heart. I confess my sins. I want you in my heart. I was 14 years old. I was reading a book by Brother Andrew. And I got out of bed not really knowing what I was doing, but I got down and I, and, I, and I said the prayer. I said, Lord, I need you. I need you in my heart. He pursued me for years after that as I ran the wrong way. But he never let up. And God is never letting up on any of you in this room or any person on this planet. His plan from the very beginning is to be in relationship with you. It's for you to be an intimate, loving relationship. Christmas and Christ's birth is a reminder of who he is, what he has done, why he did what he did, and a reminder now that we all have access 
to be in relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Does that mean it's easy? When you do that, does that mean everything's rosy? You're, you got the job, the car, the family. You're not going to get sick. Everything's fine. No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that Emmanuel is with you in that. He's with you in the highs. He's with you in the lows. That wonderful spirit of the Holy Coach is coaching you, calling you back calling you to that first love, to that first moment when you were down on your knees. You said, Lord, please, come into my heart. That's what I want to pray about this morning. Would you just close your eyes? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never prayed that prayer, I just, I just would encourage you, in this season, this is the greatest gift of all. Just say, Lord, I accept your gift. I recognize I am a sinner, but I also recognize that you came, lived, died, and rose again so that I would be set free to be in relationship with you. And if you've said that prayer, and yet you still, uh, I'm preaching to myself now, that you still have this struggle, this morning is a prayer of this. Lord, renew my first love. Throughout this season, Lord, remind me of what Christmas is really about, what that moment you set into action, what you set into motion. Lord, Draw near. Let me hear your voice. I lay it all down. I want to go deeper. And I want to reflect your glory in a way that makes you smile. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on Awaken Church Online. To learn more about the church, visit our website, awakenchurchmac.com.